Hey, everybody, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. And here in the studio with me today, I have my good friend, Chef Melissa Aracho, who I had the lovely opportunity to cook with this weekend. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as well as some other fun adventures that we've had. Thanks for joining me, Chef. No, thank you, Chef, for inviting me again. Uh, For our listeners out there, this past week, uh, Chef Melissa had asked me to do a cooking demo with her. And, you know, that's that's my thing. I love to cook in front of people and talk. But she said, we're going to do it for Honduran Independence Day. Yeah, it just um, happens that New Orleans has a big community of Hondurans people. You know, we have mixed in very well with the community and everything, but they never do anything to celebrate Independence Day. So why not? You know, the Salem Museum of Food and Beverage uh, offer their kitchen for Alma and for Linguistic, and we were like, all right, let's do it. Well, one of the things that I got super excited, y'all, when Chef Melissa called me, she said, okay, so we're, Amy, you need to do a little research so you know what you're getting yourself into. And there was this soup that I have been following. This is how I think I met Chef Melissa was a picture of soup that she put on her Instagram. And all I said was, I need that in life. I need to know how to make it. I need to taste it. And I finally got to. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was sopa de mariscos. Actually, that time we met, I was the uh, I was in trial period as the uh, executive chef of a restaurant locally here. It didn't work out, but the friendship with you uh, started and has lasted, uh, what, about two years yeah. now? And um, it's sopa de mariscos is a very complex dish uh, you can put anything that you want in seafood and it's with a coconut broth so it's really good it's yummy but, i mean for me for my listeners out there i will say that i i was attracted by the picture i, I can't i mean the giant shrimp the crabs the fun uh, flavors that you didn't know what you were going to get you know that's what attracted me to it and then once we uh started cooking it this weekend, the aroma and the aroma was amazing. And it was, you know, garlic and we had onion and peppers and beautiful, sweet shrimp and shrimp stock and just so good. Louisiana blue crabs, too. It's like everything. You start with the Holy Trinity, you know, and the only thing that makes a difference, you have uh, red peppers, uh, bell peppers, yellow, uh, green, onions, celery, and you saute them completely down. Uh, you use cumin, salt, garlic. You saute, you saute them completely to um, their golden brown. And after that, you are at the uh, sofrito. Yes. So that's more flavor going into it. Once you have mixed in well the sofrito, you add the seafood stock. We did uh, shrimp because that's That's what what we had. That's what we had. (laughs) And we were like, all right, great. You know, um, it's equal stock with portion stock with the ratio of uh, coconut milk. It's important to have a good coconut milk and it's nice and creamy. So the soup ends up being nice and creamy too. And after that, once you have that, you let it boil for a couple of minutes and then you start adding your seafood. 
we added first the crabs, um, which let me tell you, I woke up really early in the morning to go to West Wego Market. And as soon as I pull up, I always go to the same lady and she said, hey, chef, what do you need today? I saw the beautiful shrimp. They were gorgeous. They were giant 10 count shrimp. So yeah. 10 shrimp to a pound. They're beautiful. Yes. And uh, the prices there are amazing. And then she, I saw the crabs and I was like, I need to have this ones. You know, I, I can go there with a full wallet and when I get out of there, I'm always broke. <laughs> it's one of those things. And then I go home and my partner, she's like, what do you got in there? I'm like, you don't want to know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what you had in there. You had a box of live crabs and I don't know what <laughs> I was thinking because I was like, oh, okay. She went to go get shrimp. She went to get crab. And I'm thinking in my mind, Louisiana girl, gumbo crabs, you know, crabs that are already boiled. Maybe these little tiny crabs that we're going to throw in. No, Chef Melissa shows up at SoFab with a box of crabs. And I swear they were like magic jumping crabs. I don't know where <laughs> these crabs got their energy, but they start hopping out of the box. They're running all over the table. It was one of them even snapped at me. Oh, yeah, he was a sassy one. <laughs> hey, karma is a bee. You cooked them. <laughs> yes, he was very tasty. <laughs> but, you know, there's something uh, that we talked about with all the guests at the event was that, hey, you want your seafood fresh and you can't get any fresher than the crabs scrambling around on the counter right before you throw them in the pot. <laughs> yeah, we fought with those crabs. They wouldn't stay steady. We put them in the sink, out of the sink. We'd take them out. I mean, to the moment they die, <laughs> it was quick, I promise. They didn't scream very much. No, they did not. <laughs> but they were feisty. <laughs> well, Chef Melissa, um, Whenever you said, hey, let's do this, uh, you know, Honduran cooking class, let's celebrate. You know, one of the things that I started researching was the, you know, the Garifuna people and the flavors of Honduras. And um, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, why that is so important in the whole grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, well, like, you know, Honduras is the bridge of Central America. Um so the way we were colonized, it's kind of actually a little bit funny. Half of Honduras was colonized British. The other half was colonized Spanish. Uh, the original uh, tribes there were Mayan. So the part where my family is from, La Ceiba, which is the coast, it's hitting the uh, Gulf of Honduras. It's just right under the Gulf of Mexico. Um, the Gulf of Honduras is plenty of seafood. It's actually one of the best places to go uh, diving. Uh, the reef is amazing. So uh, when the uh, Spanish um, conquered that part, they brought also in time African descendants. Uh, they called themselves Garifonas. And they were the only slaves in that period of time. They were allowed to keep their culture, their music, their food, and everything. So that blended in very well with the local culture. You know, you put the uh, Mayan roots, the Spanish roots, and then the Garifuna roots. It has created a, a cuisine that is very much rooted in all three cultures, you know. And uh, one of the things that, you know, was was really interesting is that, you know, this culture is something that 
the world is trying to preserve and trying to keep because they were the only free Africans uh, in the Caribbean during the time. And as a result of a slave slave ship crashing, um, they were actually never sold into slavery and were able to keep their freedom. And, you know, that's something very special in itself. But the fact that their families were intact, their cultures, their food ways, their religion, all of that was intact, but they had to use the resources Exactly. Of a new location Cation. where they were. Exactly. And all of, most of them became fishermen, you know, and the sea and that, that area is, had abundance of seafood. It's kind of funny because uh, being a fine dining chef and then moving to my own business when I was in the fine dining industry, um, my boss is always like, lobster so expensive, be careful with this and everything. And actually my childhood memories going in Honduras in the summer after rain or just going into the ocean, you can grab them and just go. <laughs> You're like, lobsters you know, are free. What are yeah, you exactly. About? <laughs> you can grab them and go home and have a beautiful meal with it. It's like the crabs, everything after a rain, they used to come out. You know, you you go to the beach and you just grab them really fast so you wouldn't get <laughs> bitten either, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's, I have beautiful memories growing up, but it, it's also, you know, it's the Garifun is a culture that they became fishermen and they kept to themselves. And that culture grew in the impact of the way of, of our culture. You know, they're Garifunas, but they're Hondurans too. Yes. And they're very proud of it. And we all are very proud to be Hondurans in our food, you know, the way it's a Creole food that is amazing. And that's what I love. I mean, that dish is particular. You have a hundred different ways to do it, but always the way you, doesn't matter the way you do it, it always comes to the same feeling. You know, it's hearty, it's um, flavors, it's explosion in your mouth completely. When you're eating a bowl of that, you're sweating. You're sweating and it's a good sweat. It's like, hmm, you know, <laughs> you're satisfied after that. <laughs> well, and, you know, I listening to you talk about Honduran cuisine, I, you know, I kind of feel like it's how a lot of us talk about whatever the cuisine we grew up with is. And there's something about that connection of the food and the memories and the that, you know, sometimes maybe it's not the best thing you've ever eaten, but the memory of it is so great that it becomes the best thing you've ever eaten. But then you have dishes like this um, seafood soup or even a gumbo where you go, there's so much stuff happening and it just kind of brings you back to a place and a time whenever you go to take your first first little bite. And when I take my first bite of the, um, the seafood soup that you made, um, I will forever go back to our dancing escapade because when Chef Melissa said, Amy, we're going to do this class and you're going to study and learn about Honduran cuisine and you're going to help me. And she goes, and then there might even be dancing. And I'm like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> only if there's dancing. I'm only in if we dance. And so at the very end of the event, uh, one of the ladies who joined us uh, put on some music and we started dancing. And I learned that 
if you eat too much soup, you can exercise it off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And actually, you're the only person in my life who has a video of me dancing. <laughs> and it's public in Facebook, too. <laughs> you do what you gotta do. Know, exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, as you know, as it impact their food, their culture, also their dancings and everything, it's all on the hips. It's <laughs> it's a workout, uh, dancing garifuna. <laughs> it was super fun. But I know, Chef, you have a lot of stuff on the horizon. And one of the things that you have coming up is that you might have a little TV debut thing going on. What's happening? Um, yeah, so... Um, it's been hard keeping this secret. Um, I flew to New York in the beginning of this year in March, uh, very quick trip um, to film uh, an episode in CHOP. And it's finally coming out September 26th. Yay. The uh, viewing party will be at 73 Distillery. We'll start around 7 and the episode is uh, going to be running at 9 o'clock. Okay. So uh, please join us. Um 73 Distillery has been grateful enough to invite us to their uh, location. You know, they will be providing the booze and Alma will be providing the food. So what are you cooking? Um, not what you cooked on chop. No, not <laughs> what I cooked on chop. <laughs> no, um, uh, definitely uh, we're going to do pulled pork. Um, we're doing carnitas. We're doing uh, shrimp uh, tacos. And uh, tres leches. Yum. So it's about very simple menu, three items. Um, we don't want to complicate ourselves that day. So, yeah. But you... the food is going to be really good. And then I know 73 Distillery is um, doing a, a cocktail in honor of me. Oh. So I'm like, okay. Well, you are super fancy now. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not. Trust me. I'm like, that's not necessary, but. Cool. Uh, I mean, if we can pair it, we're going to pair it up with the food. So it's going to go nicely. Awesome. So for those of y'all that want to go out and root for Chef Melissa on September 26th at 7-3 Distillery. And that is off of Claiborne. So it's, Correct. And I think they have like a big parking lot too. Yes. So um, you don't have to worry about parking down there either. Um, but if you're going to enjoy the Chef Melissa cocktail, just... You know, take a cab or Uber down there. <laughs> that way you can you can cheer and drink it up in style, right? Definitely. Please do not drink and drive. Well, one of the things um, for my listeners out there is I, I meet so many chefs doing this show. And a, a lot of times they're my go-to people when I have a phone a friend. Like, hey, heck, I need help with something. Uh, how do I do this? Or I got myself into this predicament. And Chef Melissa answered the call when my brother-in-law showed up with a wild hog and said, here, Amy, I got you a hog, <laughs> butcher it and cook it. And I'm like, my goodness, okay. So Chef Melissa came over and we put some butchering skills to the test. Yes, we did. It was just a nice small pig. It was nice. It was fast. I think we butchered it, what, in... Less than 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> I realize now that as long as you keep your fingers, it's really not that complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, actually. But a funny story, when I was learning how to butcher, um, I 
my goal was not to be never a trained butcher. I was like, I want to be a chef and everything. And my mentor was like, you want to be a chef? You need to be a butcher too. So that showing me how to butcher, uh, my finger, my middle finger and my left hand actually got caught and um, cut almost completely. So it, um, they had to put a nail through it and reattachment and everything. So I learned the hard way. Yeah, you do not put your fingers there. Yeah, so, if, you know, be careful. But one of the things I enjoyed about the process was, A, you know, I've seen the process, I've done the process, but, you know, different animals, it, you know, you have to approach it differently. And one of the things that was, this was a very lean pig. Yes. And so um, there wasn't a lot of waste and there wasn't a lot of scrap. And then mm -hmm. there were like pieces that were like, oh, hey, let's make some stock. Mm -hmm. And um, going through that process of breaking it down it's kind of exciting as a chef because you start going, oh, I'm going to make this. Mm -hmm. Ooh, and I can turn this into this. What What were you thinking whenever we were cutting it up? Uh, basically, the first when you start, you just uh, feel the pig completely, you know. I want to see where it's going to be the fastest cuts and where not to have less waste as possible. And that pig was, I mean, I think we didn't have any waste at all. You, I didn't throw anything away. Yeah. But we cut and didn't quarter or you know yeah it, it went into stock yeah basically it was a very small pig lin lin um i think it was when we got into the legs and the and everything i was like ooh, this is gonna be nice roasted you know <laughs> and then i was like hmm i was excited i thought you had the whole pig i was like i'm gonna get it was already there. clean <laughs> it was already clean i was like i'm gonna get there cut the skin get the guts out i was like i have the head i'm gonna make hog head cheese i was like all right cool i thought it was a big pig too <laughs> um, i got there it was already clean it was a nice small pig i was like, all right cool i'm still excited i'm gonna get to butcher you know uh but yeah I think for me now m more that I am older and cooking is means something different and it's not anymore an obsession that I have to be perfect I everything that I do now is more uh, I want to do it because I'm in love with it. it's part of my life it's part of who I am it's not who I am it's part of it yes you know I have learned to have a life and not be a chef either, but uh, I want to retake the connection that I have as a butcher to the animal and everything. And and I love butchering things. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm a big uh, animal lover. I mean, my two. I have two labs, okay, and then three guinea pigs. <laughs> so I have a full house. But um, when it comes to time to going down and killing the pig and butchering or going hunting. I love that. And then there's a, you know, I think a lot of times um, people who aren't familiar or didn't grow up in that kind of environment, they don't realize the respect that people do have for the animal and that the animal has provided for you. And that it's not about, oh, I'm going to go out and kill it. It's about the process of feeding your family, connecting with the animal, and respecting, 
you know, that this came from the earth exactly. and that we're going to take care of it. Yeah, that animal gave you life to feed you. So the proper thing is is to use every part of that animal. You know, um, we're a society that has grown so much. We have big companies that go in, kill the animals, butcher them, and they don't use all the animal. You know, some of it is thrown away, other, you know, and they just get the big cuts. Um, some of the product that you're throwing away, it's the best one. Yes. You know, so use it, you know, give the respect to that animal to die to feed you. So next time when a farmer goes out, you know, in Louisiana, all you need is a shotgun and someone who's willing to let you in their property, <laughs> like Amy's uh, brother-in-law, <laughs> and then shot the pig, butcher it, clean it. Take it home and cook it. Yeah. And that that pig that we butchered, I put half of it on my smoker and it was delicious. I I can't complain. And then um, the other half, and you're going to laugh at me, chef. I, I said, oh, okay, I need to make stock. And it, my house gets so hot and I didn't want to go to the Langwa kitchen. So I said, okay, I'm just going to make a, a pot of stock for us. And I did it in the pressure cooker. Oh, my God. It was so much better. My house didn't get hot, but it didn't have the smell. And so it was kind of sad because, you know, it didn't have that smell of Momo's house whenever things are cooking mm-hmm. on the stove because the lid and the pressure cooker was keeping all that aroma inside. inside. And I bet you it was more concentrated, too. It was. So- and For our listeners out there, a trick that uh, Chef Kristen over at Ralph's on the Park taught me, uh, because I said, Kristen, I don't have room in my freezer for all this stock. And she said, keep reducing it and keep reducing it and keep reducing it until you get something so intense that then if you add a little what we call clear stock, then you can stretch it back out. And I thought, I never, I never thought of that. I just make it for the time, put it in the Ziploc and freeze it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the difference as, uh, you know, professional cooks is at home, we cook, we do a stock and we cook about two, three hours and we think that's all the flavor. In a professional kitchen, you cook it for 12 to 18 hours. The more you get in concentrated, you, sometimes you have a huge pot and then you get a couple of ice cubes and after that, it's like, all right, you drop an ice cube and it's an explosion of a flavor that has been concentrated there. Yeah, and that's a, I think that's a good trick for the home cook to remember and uh, to to really go beyond, like push it a little yeah. bit. Push the limit a little, yeah, what I, you think is normal. Yeah, I have clients that I do private chef for and, you know, one of them asked me, so What's the difference between cooking in a commercial kitchen and cooking at home? I was like, you make the difference, you know. When I'm home, I pop a bottle of wine open, you know. I put my favorite stone of Martin Gray up, you know, and I cook what I want. Like last night, my girlfriend was like, I bought pasta, I bought ground meat, cook me some bolognese. I was like, okay. But again, it wasn't what you wanted to cook, right? <laughs> exactly. It's not what I wanted. <laughs> but uh, it's her favorite. I mean, she's obsessed with that. So um, pop a bottle of wine, you know, a couple of sips, start cooking, 
water, put salt, a little bit of olive oil, let it boil, put the pasta in, put a iron skillet, a little bit of olive oil, red onions, you know, caramelize some, that red wine, you know, then another sip of red wine for me. (laughs) So there you go. Put garlic, then you put the ground meat, and then you put the sauce. Boom, you have dinner. You know, it's it's just let go. Nobody's going to judge you. Have fun. And I love that, Chef Melissa. I think that is great advice because so many times people, they get all nervous or they try to tackle something that maybe is unrealistic. But if you just say, hey, I'm going to have fun with it. Food is food. It cooks itself for supervising. (laughs) You're just making sure it's okay. Yeah. And then go with it. Exactly. I told also my clients, look, you see a recipe, read it. If you don't feel comfortable, let it there. Let it marinate, you know, let it in your head. Think about it. Then come back and you're like, okay, I can do this. I can do that. Make it your own, you know, have fun with it. That's all you can do. I mean, if you don't like the favor, put something else inside, you know, Food allows you that you can play with it, you know. It's not like baking. Baking, you have to be exactly the same. Too many rules. Too many rules. I I cannot be a pastry chef. Uh, my meringue, it took me like 200 times. And- Mine wasn't that great last weekend either. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like... I keep calling my sister. My sister's a pastry chef, and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I'm separating the egg whites from the yolks. What am I doing wrong? Do you have dry, you know, everything properly? I'm like, yes, I have. All right. A couple of tricks, everything. No, it wouldn't come. It would come whenever it wanted it to. <laughs> and it, it was at a point one time that I was willing to grab the KitchenAid and throw it out of the window. And and finally, I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'll do this differently. You know, I let it sit down there for a couple of hours. I came back. And then I was like, all right, let's do the whole process again. You know, and it came out perfect. I was like, all right, cool. So just have fun with it. Well, I love that. Well, Chef Melissa, we are about out of time. But if you could tell our listeners where they can Track you down and find out more about you. Yeah, you can definitely check out Alma page, which is almanola.com. Um, when are we popping up and everything? And um, please follow us on Instagram, which is Alma Nola, Facebook the same, and Twitter is Alma Events. So you can check us there. If uh, Also, you can find me in my other business, Savar Catering, uh, SavarCatering.com, social media everywhere the same. So... Yeah. Well, good. Well, thanks so much, Chef Melissa. We'll all be cheering for you on that um, CHOP show on the 26th. And for all my listeners out there, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao. Ciao.